so I'm going to pray for what God, I believe, is telling me now. And, if you, and uh, those of you that are watching online, I'll give you instruction in a moment. But if you're in this room, in the balcony, or here, and you just feel like the enemy has you pushed into a corner up against almost like a bondage, and you, you pray and you're seeking God, but still that shadow is there, that, that grip seems to have, it seems to be on you. To, this morning is your moment of deliverance, and for those of you, I'm just going to ask you to come right down here and slip your hands up and say, God, I surrender, and I'm asking you to rid this, and I'm going to pray. Those of you that are watching online, I'm going to ask you to, just to put your hand over your heart and just say, God, I need this touch that only comes from you. So as we sing right now in just a moment, I'm going to wait before we sing and wait on anyone who says, that's me. I need to slip down there and need to say, God, not, not you're a devil or a demon. You just know we are, I'm up against it. I, I can't see a way out and I need God to speak to you, just come down right here, right now, okay? I'm going to wait. We count to three, and then we're going to sing, and we're going to move on, okay? One, just waiting on you. Two, I want to give you a goal to shoot for. Two, and then now three, all right? Now, I'm going to ask those of you around just to link up with someone and just pray. Agree together. You don't have to spend all day with them. But link up with them. Look around, okay? Just look around. Your leadership, you come, and we're just going to pray. Come on down, you folks that are over here. There's plenty of room over here, so move in there. Leadership, get busy here. So move these people for me, okay? Here we go. All right, let's sing, and then we're going to pray. Here we go. Spirit, break down. Sing it. King Jesus. I'm real loud. You're the Father, in the name of Jesus, you are omnipresent, you're omniscient, and you're omnipotent. And wherever those are, by the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of listening online 
and watching around this world. I ask you, would you touch them as they've taken a step of faith and place their hand over their heart? Would you loosen the grip of the lies of the enemy? Would you loosen every devil in hell that in the name of Jesus liberates those Father, who feel that they're under that oppressiveness of the enemy. We know in the name of Jesus that you have liberated us once and for all. But we know that the lie of the enemy will cause us to believe that we have no way out, that we have no hope, and there's nothing more that can be done. It's just a matter of time. Well, Lord, it's just a matter of time before God moves in their behalf and in the name of Jesus does what we cannot do, minister and meet every need. I pray you would let them breathe a deep breath of relief, God. Let them feel in their heart, in their body, in their mind, a redemptive presence of anointing that only comes from you. We bind the power of the enemy and declare it is not by might nor by power, but it is by your Holy Spirit. And God, we speak spiritual things and we speak death to the carnal thing. We speak death to the lie and we praise you in Jesus' name. Let's put our hands together and give him praise and honor. Amen, amen, amen. Go ahead. Oh, sing it one more time. Oh, Spirit, break out there. Spirit, break The message is entitled, The Wilderness, It's a Question Mark. Exodus, the 16th chapter, verses 1 through 4, 7, 34, and 35 is that which we're going to draw from. Already God has moved among the lives of some of you, but now he's about to implant in your spirit, in your mind, some truths that will help you in the future. It may help you understand what has happened to you in the past. It will help you today if you make a decision to say, God, I'm choosing to make a decision based on what I've heard today by an act of faith. You see, there is no place in the world like the wilderness. The word wilderness in Middle English means wild or no restraint. It means if you stay out there, unless you uh, were created to be in the wilderness and we are not in the desert, then you potentially are going to die. The sun will either be so strong that you can't manage it. Unless you take a bunch of food, you're not going to be able to make it or water. It is what I call the triangle, the three. You can live without about three minutes without oxygen. And then about uh, three days without water. And about three weeks without food. So if you say three minutes, unless you're an unusual character and there is no breath that comes into your body in three minutes, you're going to pass out and you're going to die. But in three days, if there is no water, you're going to, you're just not, you're going to dehydrate and you're not going to make it three weeks without food and you're not going to make it. The wilderness, the Middle English word says it is there as an enemy. 
And we know that that's the way we look at it. The Greek word, emiros, means a desolate, deserted, lonely place. And you and I can visit a place like the wilderness. We can say, I'm going to drive through the desert, drive through the wilderness. And the key word is drive through, drive through. I've heard of very few people who said, hey, we took a vacation and we went out and camped in the desert. For what? For what? Why in the world do you camp out in the desert? We're doing a study on animals that are in the desert. Most animals are smart enough not to be in the desert. Most of them. Spiritually, you can walk through that. You can be in that desert and say, God, how did I, uh, how did I, as I mentioned a moment ago, I'm I think I'm doing everything that I know to do. God, I'm not perfect. I'm only a woman. I'm only a man. I'm only a young person. And spiritually, you can act as if or seem in your mind, God doesn't hear your prayer. I pray and God hasn't, is not hearing. My prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Every word that you speak, God hears. Every thought that you think, God knows. So don't ever let the devil tell you he's not listening. He is listening. So be careful what you pray because he hears it. You can go through that spiritual desert and wilderness and feel like, wow, it's just I'm not being fed. Well, let me just tell you, you could just simply stand up here and say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And if you are born again, that word Jesus will feed you if not one other word is ever spoken out of this pulpit. Because why? It is his word and his name. So don't ever say I'm not getting fed. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That word feeds your spirit, man. We understand you go through those periods of time in which you feel like I'm just not excited with what God has. Well, let me just carefully tell you, be careful to say that because God may say to you, well, a good visit out in the desert will help you get a little more excited. It'll either make you grow or it'll kill you. Some people go through the desert place emotionally. You can't get a grip on your emotions. You cry at the you cry at anything. Well, that could be the change of life. I always look out and see people who are, are doing this, and I thought, I wonder what that means for them. You know, emotionally, cry at the drop of the hat. You men and women, you know what that means. Emotionally, I lost my love. The love of my life told me a Dear John letter, and now all I can do is just take the letters out and hold them in my lap, and I read, these are the letters that he sent to me, and I can't get a grip on it. Burn them. Burn them. If it caused you to do that, say, shalom. Some of you physically say, I'm not, I'm not the man I used to be, not the woman I used to be. Oh, there are those that have what I call the Peter syndrome. I don't know, understand all these people that are emotional, you know. My gracious, get your act together, you know. I don't understand all these people spiritually. I mean, make up your mind if you're going to walk with God, bless God. But you know, after you've been around a while, you stop saying those kind of things. Because when you get, I mean, when you get yourself in the journey of life, sooner or later you're going to hit a place you can't control and you can't command and physically, you say, okay, here it is. Here's another mentally. Some people mentally just going through mental challenges. Well, we know that as you get older, as I've read, they say your mind changes. Well, my mind changes all the time. 
Mentally, you hit those places. So the bottom line is this. They're all wilderness places where things are not the way they used to be. And no matter how we may visit the wilderness, it's, it's not necessarily a fun and exciting place to be. My grandkids went with their father, Michael, and Janelle, and uh, last week, I mean, they went out to Arizona, to Phoenix. All the pictures they posted on Facebook, you know, was like out in the middle of nowhere in the desert, climbing up a mountain and going down a mountain. I thought, that's no vacation to me. Climb up a mountain, go down a mountain. They went to the Grand Canyon, went down in the Grand Canyon, walked around the Grand Canyon. Let me tell you, I've been to the Grand Canyon. I walked to the edge of the canyon. I thought, that's pretty deep. I left and said, I saw it. I'm gone. I don't need to go down and see if it has a bottom. It's down there. Amen. I'm up here. I've been to Niagara Falls. Hello. I didn't go and sell one of the falls. I took a boat, went under it, got wet on purpose and paid for it, and then got off the boat and said, I did, I did Niagara Falls. That's it. That's enough for me. How many understand? You see, for me, I don't need to put my hand on a hot stove, but once. You with me? But the wilderness experience, you can't determine when you're going to have a visit. You, you can't determine what's going to happen. So you need to learn some things before that moment hits. And here's what I found out, too, that if, if you've been to the wilderness before, the next wilderness experience or desert experience you've had won't be anything like it was the first time. It'll be hotter and more difficult. And no matter how much you visit, it can be a place of benefit. So I'm about to cause you to take a mental shift. But the wilderness the, can be a place of benefit. Sure, sometimes we visit because we choose to, as I mentioned, those are going to vacation, and sometimes we're there because of circumstances. Maybe you had a, a loved one that lost, like my sister. I mean, they're eating breakfast. She and her husband love God, love Jesus. He's a, a wonderful, wonderful person, owned, a, owned their own business, etc. Got up for breakfast, walked upstairs, and fell dead. She was in the first service this morning. She still is saying, why, God? We tied, we were faithful, we in church, we witnessed, we, we owned a business and gave discounts and gave away furniture and all of that. And then just, all, I didn't even get to say bye. Bam, he's gone. Others of you have gone through divorce. It's called something worse than death. You think, how did I, I never dreamed of that. You look at the picture of when you were married and, and, and think, wow, that was, that, was, that was the dream wedding, et cetera. And today you go over and you have the file, there's your divorce decree. How, do, how should I ever be going through that? You know, and what it can do, it can adversely affect you spiritually and emotionally and physically and mentally or cash flow. Maybe you got cash flow. Say, I've got, I got bills I need to pay. I know what that's like. I mean, I built a church down in Mulberry, had the other church to sell, and I'm in the middle of construction, and I was counting on that other church to sell so cash flow could continue forward so we could continue to, struct, to construction. I laid away at night. Well, Pastor, you're not supposed to lay awake. You are a preacher. I'm only human. <laughs> we got sooner or later, you got to do something here. Hello. I'm running out of money down here. I don't have enough to pay the carpenters, to pay the, con, the subcontractors. And you, you've got a couple hundred thousand dollars over there that we put that building in good shape. It needs to sell. I need it. I need it. You think God was deaf? You think God was worried about because I got a little emotional about it? Hello? I don't walk around 
Almighty Heavenly Father, you know that I have a need. And I really need you. I need you to fix it. I'm not going to get upset. Uh, I'm just going to stay. Mm, God didn't create you that way. I want to know what's going on if you don't mind. Amen. I don't need to give you my resume. I don't need to tell you all the things that I've done. I haven't done. You know that I am nothing but a rascal, but I know you spoke to me to build that building out there, and you said you would give me the, 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 the bottom line when I needed it. Now, I'm just waiting on you. God said, go talk to the president of Badcock. I did. He said, no. I said, go again. I said, I've been once. Go again. I said, no. I said, I've been. God said, go the third time. I said, I'm a dummy. He said, no twice. Go again. Hello. I went the third time. He stayed up all night that time and then called the next morning and said, whatever it takes, we're going to buy that building. I don't intend to have another sleepless night like last night. All I could see was that preacher. I'm here to tell you that's God working in our behalf. Come on, church. Help me preach this morning. You go through the cash flow issue. Wow. I hid one time. The insurance, right after we were married, after the insurance guy came, I looked up and saw him. He was like, I don't, I don't know, the premium was $15 a month. Sharon and I are married. As a matter of fact, this coming week, we will celebrate 49 years of marriage this coming week. <laughs> we were newlyweds. Our rent was, I don't know, $75 a month. And I looked and saw that insurance man coming on a Saturday afternoon. I thought, oh, Lord Jesus, we don't have the money. And I thought, I ain't going to the door. <laughs> but then I couldn't do that. I thought, what's he doing on Saturday? What's he doing here on Saturday? He didn't come here on Saturday. I'm not home on Saturday. What's he doing here on Saturday? Opened the door. I knew him. He's a dear friend. He said, you know, I was just driving by. And he said, I know your premium's not due. But he said, the Holy Spirit. Hey, he was a Baptist. Even the Baptists, aren't we grateful? Hear God. Hello? Come on, give the Lord and the Baptists and everybody else a good hand clap. He said, I just felt like God told me to come and give you an offering. And he gave us 50 bucks. 50 bucks, if the rent is $75 a month, 50 bucks is a whole lot of money in that day. Matter of fact, if you put 50 bucks in my hand, it's still a whole lot of money. <laughs> what was God doing? That's a cash flow problem. What was the devil trying to do to get me to lapse back and say, I might be here in the wilderness right now, but I don't have to act like it. Are you with me? So I got a whole lot of things there. The circumstances, it could be strained relationships. I mean, you know when you put you and any or you and a certain person or a certain other person in the same room, you know how it's going to go down, don't you? You know, hopefully, you're not real close. Apparently not. Hopelessness is there. We understand that wilderness, which is that unrestrained place of hardships that is difficult but it does not have to be a place of death. Three days without water, three minutes without oxygen, three weeks without food. Let me show you what these people did. In Exodus, here it is in the 15th chapter, verse 22. 
that Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. They already caught now across the Red Sea. I would say that's pretty impressive. Walk across the Red Sea on dry ground. If you think it would be impressive, raise your neighbor's hand. There you go. Y'all got to pay attention now. Led them from the Red Sea. They went into the desert of Shur. Now listen. For three days, three days, they traveled in the desert without finding water. How long can you go without water? Three days. Three days without water. When they came from Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Moses said, how about a Pepsi? He threw the piece of wood in the water, and the water became sweet. Now listen, let this sink in. Here we go. There, where the miracle took place, the Lord made a decree. He said, set up straight, pay attention, look at me, let your ears listen. He made a decree and a law for them. And there he tested them. He said, this is all you have to do. If you listen, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and you do what's right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his command and keep all his decrees I will not bring on you any diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Why did he have to say that? I'm not the God who puts a disease on you. I'm the guy who heals you. Amen. I'm not the one that created the desert and the wilderness. I may be the one who gave permission for you to go there, but everything I do has a purpose. Here we go. The wilderness is a trying place. Exodus 16, verse number 1, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of sin. The desert of sin. The Israelites, now they've exited Egypt. They've had the Red Sea experience. They've been free from Pharaoh's bondage now for six weeks. Does anybody know how long it takes for the new car smell to leave the new car? I have an answer. It's after the first payment. <laughs> well, if you want to buy this car, here's what we'll do for you. Your first payment won't be due until seven weeks from now. But it'll be due in seven weeks. That gives you seven weeks to really gain up a large amount of money. And then your payment for $857 will be due seven weeks from now. Enjoy yourself for seven weeks. Here it is, six weeks. Red Sea, six weeks. They're upset. There are 2.2, I mentioned this Wednesday night, 2.2 to 2.5 million of them. 
when you say we're going to have a church hamburger hot dog two Sunday nights from now, we will feed about 3,000. I'd hate to know I had to have a hot dog. It would be kosher. (laughs) For 2.5 million people. The newness has worn off and the memory of God's plan has been lost. And his goal for his people is this. I want you to assume the future that I have for you. I was reading the other day that most people who win the lottery, how many is won? (laughs) Some of you went like that. But you know what? We got you on video. They're all over the place. Amen. Or you can just go right on the lottery there and find out who won. It's really easy. Well, why do you care, Pastor? T-I-T-H-E. O-F-F-E-R-I-N-G. You want me to sing it to you? I can create a song right here, right now. Why? Most people who win the lottery don't keep the money. They spend it. They go through it. Many athletes gone through their money. Why? Because they're not used to having that kind of money. So the people of Israel, God said, we're free, we're liberated here, but they didn't know how to manage it. They didn't understand it. You see, the circumstances are difficult. It's the southern end of the end of the Sinai. It's rocky, it's hard. There is no shade. There is no shade. There are no trees. There is no shade for relief, and hardships just keep coming. No shade. How many of you are smart enough to know if you're out in the middle of nothing and there's no shade, if there happens to be one shade tree, how many of you are smart enough to go find it? May I see your hand? That's me. And if there's more more than just you, maybe two of you out there, hopefully the other person is bigger, you can stand in their shade. It's a place called the wilderness. Food and proper nourishment are absent. I want you to see they're in the midst of that. Travel three days, no water. Throw a stick in the water, it's there. But now we're further down at six weeks and they still don't get it. But there are always two attitudes when you walk through that which you're not familiar with. One is survival and determination regardless. God's with me, I'm going to make it. God's for me. I know I'm not going to fail. God's for me. It doesn't matter if I die. I'm going to die in Jesus' name. Are you with me? As long as the devil knows that no matter what he says to you, no matter what he does to you, you're still going to hang on to God, my friend. I'm here to tell you that's a great, great benefit. Lester Thoreau says, and I repeat, a competitive world has two possibilities for you. The competitive world has two possibilities for you. You can lose... Or if you want to, you can change. I want you to notice something carefully here. He didn't say that you can, there'll be losers and winners. He said, in the desert, you make a decision not to lean on God, you lose. But the desert is not there for you to win. The desert is there for you to change. Why? 
because what God has for your future, you are not prepared to know how to manage what God has in your future, so you have to change, and change comes best out of a negative, desperate, desert experience. The greatest answered prayer came out of the desert. Or you can do as the children of Israel did. It's failure, depression, or retreat. They decided to fail. Most of the people, that's everybody I know has gone through the desert. Everybody I know has gone through the desert. And the ones that I admire most are the ones who came through it. The others, they're still there. You wonder why some people are always seemingly in the same shape. They've always been year after year after year after year, and nothing underlined, nothing zero, nothing changes in their life. There should be a change in something. The traits or the individuals, we often, they said, Elam to the wilderness. In other words, they continue to look back, look to the past. We could go back to Pharaoh. At least we wouldn't start. We had loads of food there. Paul said, forsaking those things that are behind. Here's another thing. They grumbled and complained about what was not there. And then they pointed their finger of accusation toward others. You see, focus on the goals of tomorrow that you have, not the people of the past. And here's the last thing. They, they exaggerated their past comforts and their present circumstances. Listen. Listen carefully, friend. It never really was as good as you remember it was years ago. You ever lived somewhere and then you moved and you went back 20 years later and you looked and thought, great day. I didn't remember it that way. I didn't remember that house that way. Good Lord, have mercy. I sure did. Why? Did the house change? No. Your perspective changed because you now have a greater perspective and more experience in your life. But remember this. When you look to the past and you say, oh, I want to hug the past, and you don't exaggerate what you had in the past. Leave it there. And then don't exaggerate your pressure circumstances by saying, I don't think I can make it. I don't think I can take any more. I don't think I can take one step further. Don't exaggerate your present circumstances. Then what should I do? Hallelujah. Say with God, all things are possible. I'm leaning on him in my weakness. He is strong. He is the breath of heavenly air in my life. And I proclaim that he is Lord. Here's what they did in Exodus 16 verse 2. There too the people spoke bitterly against Moses and Aaron. Oh that we were back in Egypt they moaned and that the Lord had killed us there. Hey I get to choose where I'm going to die. That the Lord would have killed us there for there we had plenty to eat but now you have brought us into this wilderness to kill us with starvation. If the wilderness is a place of testing the only way to achieve success, if it is a place of testing and a place of trying, and it is what it is, what should, what should I program my mind? Here it is. Learn what you can. Learn what you can. God, there's something here you're teaching me. Believe today is the day of deliverance, not tomorrow. But to believe today, Lord, right now I could get a phone call. Right now I could get a letter in the mail. 
You say, how are you going to get a letter in the mail on Sunday? Because the post office delivering mail these days on Sunday. I could get a, I might get a text today. Might be the answer. Live in that place of deliverance and understanding. If you've got a piece of equipment in your business you think it's about to break down, break down, go ahead and get a few people together around and say, we're praying for this piece of equipment. We can't afford for it to break down right now. You've got a stove. They've got two burners that are not working. Lay hands, hallelujah, on the two burners that don't work so you don't burn yourself and pray over them. And then, my friend, find out who in the church can change out the burners and go to them and say, God sent me to you. Come over to my house and fix my burners, brother or sister. There's some women in this house who, my friend, men don't have anything on them. <laughs> Trust God, wisdom. When you're in the wilderness, you never will understand. My sister, whose husband just filled it, she, she never will understand it. I have to mention, she never will understand it. Never will. Never will. Two years later now. Never will. It, it won't make sense. There's some, it just never makes sense. If it never makes sense, then spend your time on things that might make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Encourage yourself daily. What does that mean? <laughs> you might be you. It might be just you. Look in that mirror and say, you know what? I want you to know of all the people that I know, I am one of them. And I know I'm a king's kid. And God, I may not have the most perfect smile. I have to fake a smile. I have to fake a smile for a picture. I hate pictures. I do, because it's like, smile. Sharon will say, no, not that smile. Well, what smile do you want? You want this smile? You know, which smile? No, that's too much of a smile. Well, bless God, smile. <laughs> now I can't smile at all. You, you see what I'm saying? Look in that mirror. I had one gal that came in. I've shared this story before. So down, so abused, so sexually abused, physically abused in her young life before she was ever 14 years of age. I stood her in that mirror every single week. And I said, look in there and say, I'm beautiful. I am a creation of Almighty God. I'm here to tell you God helped her through that process. She's married and has several children today and is not the same young person that I spoke to then. Why? Because someone encouraged her to talk to herself in the mirror. Somebody said, said, you shouldn't talk to yourself. Well, then I'm up the creek, friend. It's when you answer yourself back, you're in trouble. I have minister friends who talk about themselves in the third person. Here I am talking to one of my friends. Third person is like this. Well, you know, Brother Blackburn, he, he believes, you know, that churches grow and he believes that, etc. They're standing there thinking, have you lost your mind? You are Brother Blackburn. <laughs> Why are you saying what well, Brother Blackburn said? That's third person. Some people think they're more holy that way. Not me. I think they got a little problem. <laughs> and then keep on marching. Everybody's going somewhere just maybe not at the same speed. Amen? Not at the same speed. Number two, the wilderness is, is, is a place of new revelation. How many need some new revelation? May I see your hand? How many don't care? There you go. Well, this is new revelation for you today, Exodus 16, 7. And in the morning you're going to see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we 
that we should grumble, that you should grumble against us. That's Moses and Aaron. What are you telling us about it? That chapter in the scripture is Yahweh, which means my presence shall go with you. We must never forget as believers that no matter where we are, God's presence is there. We must know that if we have wayward children, wherever they are, right here and right now while we're here, God is there with them. Amen. Makes no difference where they're at. God's presence is there. Makes no difference how deep in the valley where you feel that you are, God is there. It's based upon, it's not based upon our goodness. It's not based upon spiritual or political correctness. It's based upon God says, I love you. I can't get enough of you. I want to be with you. I'm going to stay with you. Wherever you go, I'm going to go with you. You ain't going to get rid of me. If you're running from me, I know where you're at. I don't have to find you because you can't find what you haven't lost. I know where you're at. You cannot get away from me. I am with you in the ups and in the downs. I'm going to be with you. You just know whatever emotion you feel. I know it. How many tears you cry, I count them. How many thoughts you think, I know them. How many worries you have, I got you covered. How many times fear hits you. I got you covered. I am there. Hallelujah. I am Jehovah God. I'm not absent. I am with you. Hallelujah. Wherever you go. Amen. He knows. Several things in this story. God heard their cry and God desired to help them in spite of their complaining. Somebody say praise the Lord. How many of you have the aptitude or the attitude to want to reward somebody that complains all the time. How many of you say, I just love rewarding complaining people? How many of you say, I like to reward nagging people? How many of you say, I like to reward people who never give any kind of a compliment or a thank you? I just love rewarding them. <laughs> you know why? Because you ain't God. That's yard talk. Well, you ain't God. God says, even though you're complaining, I'm going to show you my glory. Are you with me? I'm going to show you my glory, even though you're complaining. Why? Because, listen, what you do, what you say, how you behave, and how you act is not changing the sovereign will that I have in my heart toward you. You can complain away. I said in my covenant, I'm going to bless you, and I am going to bless you because it's covenant-led. Because I know in your future is enough sun, enough wilderness, and enough heat that ultimately you're going to bow your face down and say, thank you, Jesus. Here it is. Even though you may never utter his name on this earth, one day will come when every mouth will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. He is Lord. He heard their cry, and God wanted to reveal his glory. Why does why 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 things like wilderness, desert, why does it happen? Exodus 16, 4, that I, here it is, that I may test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. 
Now, where, where's his instruction? Here it is, right here. It's right here. It's right after he turned the bitter water to sweet water. See, it is right there on the screen. There it is. The Lord made a decision or decree and a law for them. And he tested them and he said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what's right in his eyes and if you pay attention to his command, keep all his decrees, I will not bring you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals. And then we jump down to the 16th chapter and that's where you find that, that I may test them and see whether they follow my instruction. If you believe the footsteps of a righteous person are, are directed of the Lord, if you believe that God loves you and he does not hate you, if you believe that nothing you're going to do is going to change God because he is sovereign, if you believe that God is aware of everything that's created angst and fear in your life and family for the last several months, if you believe God knows about that and you still believe God is the answer, then act like he is the answer. Amen. You see, the wilderness, if we're determined to make it through it, remember I said the people I admire most are those who went through it, the ones that I don't are still there. You see, that new revelation you can receive as it relates to the wilderness, understand it's not a whipping place, but it's a training place. My father whipped me. You might say today he beat me. Well, what do I mean by that? He could take his belt off. Pow, 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 pow. My dad had a person of few words. But a whole lot of words spoke with that belt. He always carried a sharp, he's a butcher, business owner, he always carried a pocket knife, really sharp. He could take an oak tree left like that, and it's a switch right ready. He always left a few limbs or a few sleeves on the end of the switch. He had a cow whip. He thought because you leave stuff on the end of the cow like that, that the switch worked that way. And he loved oak trees. Low hanging limb oak trees. I'm the oldest. So a lot of whippings. I'm convinced. I don't ever recall that he said, son, I'm whipping you, spanking you. You see, spank was not a word that we used in the 50s. Spank didn't come along, I think, to the 90s and early 2000. I'm going to spank you. If you said to me, I'm going to spank you, I'd say, bring it on. <laughs> A little spanking right here never hurt anybody. Bring that, little, bring that little spanking on. Amen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, yeah, do the other side now, a little spank. You know what I'm talking about? But when you use whipping, it meant something totally different. But he never said to me, son, I'm doing this to train you. 
I always knew when he whipped me. I fully believed he was trying to kill me. <laughs> That's right. He knew that I was a little bit hard-headed, just a little bit. And he figured he could beat that hard-headedness out of me. How many believe he did? <laughs> Here we go now. But in, in the wilderness, it's never God's desire for discipline and judgment. See, judgment's going to come after the rapture. Right now, it's grace and mercy. But right now, every time you go through it, it's for the purpose of training, purpose of making you better. You see, here's what he did. It's not a whipping place, but a training place. It's not a place of defeat, but a place of victory. It's not a place of separation from God, but it's a place of intimacy with God. Most of us get really close to God when you don't know whether or not you're going to be able to pay the rent payment or pay your people. Failure is not falling down, but deciding to stay down. And here's what God did. In the, in the middle of the wilderness, God gave them bread in the morning and quail in the evening. Quail. Barbecue quail, roasted quail, fried quail, broached quail, raw quail, sushi quail, it was quail. Forty years of quail. How many have ever had quail? How many has never had quail? I mean, don't think you want any now. Sure. May there be a quail in your future. <laughs> manna. How much manna? It was it. I did the math. It's a half a gallon. A half a gallon or two quarts equals a two quarts equal a half a gallon. This is harder than I thought. Four quarts equal a gallon. It's two quarts of manna a day. Get it up. But there were some entrepreneurial people there. That's right. People like some of you business owners out there said, hey, I didn't get where I'm at by wasting any time. Here's what they did. Everybody else is going to get a half a gallon just in case something happens tomorrow. He doesn't bring the bread back. I'm going to get me a truckload of it today. God says, go ahead. You go ahead and get you a truckload of it. And when you go out tomorrow morning, that truckload that you got yesterday is dirty and sour and has maggots on it. How do you like that? What was God saying? You can't outsmart me. I'm teaching you, hey, a half a gallon is all you need today. That's all you're going to get. Tomorrow, I'll give you another half gallon. That's the way to hurry up, God. Come on. I, I need a full gallon today. If you don't, you get a half gallon right here, and you get quail. I might make you quail a little bigger tomorrow. But here it is. That's how God functioned. 
Do you believe that story? How many believe that story? Raise your hand. I tell you, you talk about going spazzing out. What are we having for dinner today? It was a short menu. Here's the dinner menu, quail. What's the, what's, the, what's the breakfast menu? Manna. Manna in the morning, that's, the, that's it. Not Cheerios, manna. Here it is, half, half a gallon. <laughs> Where's my power bar? There's none. Quail. Quail's the dinner menu. And that's what it was for 40 days. Why was it that way? They were disobedient. That's why they were there. So here we go. Here's what God says about you to you. I want you to take, he says... He caused his wonders to be remembered. Psalms 111, verse number 4. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. He's talking about the people of God. Number three, the wilderness is a place never forgotten. I won't ever forget Taylor, where in the world she's at. Hi, Taylor. Taylor. 18 months old, is that right? 18 months old, thereabout. Since I'm preaching, it was 18 months and two weeks. <laughs> Kidney failure, E. coli, may not make it through the night. I won't ever forget it. Lori, her out-of-body experience... Nurses didn't want to tell us, but said the next morning we didn't think she'd make it through the night. Here's a young woman with just a baby. I won't ever forget it. I won't ever forget that insurance man who came by and gave 50 bucks. You never forget it. So here's what he said. Here's what I want to do. He said, understand as the Lord commanded Moses, put manna in front of the testimony that it might be kept. Here's what they did. They took a jug, a big jar, filled it with that manna, closed it up, and put it in there with the Ark of the Covenant. So that everybody in years ahead could come by and say, what's that? Hey, I'll tell you what it is. It's the time when they didn't have any food and they were fed. It's when they didn't have any, any meat and they were fed. They were fed right there. Make that, as, make that as a memorial to them. Now, let me say this to you. Many of you can remember how God has touched you in a wonderful way. And you have settled on this fact. You haven't really told many people about what God did. We hold back. And in the Bible, God says, if you have a testimony, testify. Why? What does it do? It gives glory to God and opens the door for the next miracle to testify about. So if you're in a wilderness experience, here it is. Start testifying. Amen. Start testifying of what God has done. Find you somebody. Say, hey, I don't know if you told you this or not. Doesn't matter. But I want to tell you what God did. Here's what happened. Here's how it happened. Here's when it happened. And I still give God the praise and the honor and the glory. God is not satisfied when we hold back the testimony because testimonies bring glory to God. The most important testimonies 
You say, I'm not used to that. Abraham Lincoln became a military strategist after he came to the White House only because of the pressure of the Civil War. So what is it that God is hoping that you become because of where you're at? Remember, the wilderness is a place of testing and not defeat, a place of new revelation for the future. So you have two things that you can do or three. You can say, I heard you, Lord. And in my situation, I intend to change. Show me where to change. Let me be open. And say to yourself, I am not going to let what I see in the natural dictate what I see in the supernatural. What I see is not double vision. I have single vision, and it's all on you, God. And in Jesus' name, I am believing that whatever happens, though you slay me, yet will I trust in you. So if it's a spanking, if it's wilderness, my hand is in your hand, and I will not let go. Amen? Let's give the Lord a clap offering, would you? Would you stand, everybody together? And let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. We had one move of your Holy Spirit earlier in the altar, and we're thankful for that. But right now, there are those in this room, there are those in this room whose heart is not right with you, and maybe those listening online or some other means of communication, when they see this message, their heart's not right with you. God, they've chosen to go to the wilderness and stay there. And some have gone to the wilderness and blamed you for it, God. Well, we know that's a scriptural thing that many people did out of the Old Testament and a few in the New Testament. But you've never failed us. You've never destined us for defeat. You've always given us a hope, always an opportunity. And we look to you. And God, we can try to, we can try to manipulate the ways in order to get what we think we want and what we need. But God... We cannot manipulate you because you are not able to be manipulated. So we just trust you. We're going to go to lunch today, and if it's quail, God bless. If it's manna, God bless. There might be something that might be just some noodles. or so Who cares? We just know that Jesus, inside, we have peace that passes all understanding. And if you're here this morning, you say, my heart's not right with Jesus. I'm not, I, I can't say I'm born again. I can't say I'd go to heaven if I died. Well, you can in a few moments. And those of you listening online, maybe in your heart of hearts, you say, I've been just a knucklehead. I have been belligerent. I've been stubborn. I, I've been doing my own thing. And I, I'm getting a little tired of that. Well, today is your day to make a difference by the grace of God. So just in case, I'm going to ask everybody on this ground floor in the balcony as well, to just repeat this prayer. Would you do that in faith? Dear Jesus, forgive me. I am sorry. I have sinned. I have been stubborn. I've been rebellious. And I need deliverance. I need your help. So come into my life. Minister to me as I give you honor and glory. I desire that my life reflect my love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to sing this song. Drew, many of you don't know Drew. Some of you do. He comes to the first service. Drew was a biker. How many of you know David Drew? May I see your hand? But Drew was a biker, came in the church 25 years ago. 
Drew was in a biker club, tattooed up, old burly, hairy arms with an open vest, tattooed a beard, walked in. I thought, oh, Lord, earrings up here, down there, all along the earrings. I didn't know till later because he said, first time I've been in church in years, leaving church. He came and sat right over there in the old building over there, Family Life Center. I saw him. How could you miss him? I went back and he was sweaty and hot. It was hot. Ridden his Harley in here. I hugged his neck. In his mind, he thought, hey, here's how I felt. If the big dog came and hugged me, I'm in because that's the way it works in the biker world. If the guy who is the chief daddy of that particular group gives you the hand, you're in. When you came and hugged me, I thought, but I'd said, if anybody looks at me badly, I'm leaving here and ain't never coming back. I said, thank you, Jesus, for blinding all those people who are so nosy and gossipy. He got miraculously saved. And after that, he used to bring a bucket. I mean, when you carry a switchblade and you got knuckles that's so rough because you've been fighting, you know, who's going to say to you if you walk in a little saintly church with a bucket, hey, because you're afraid he hits you with that bucket. But he brought a bucket in. didn't bother him. Drew, why don't you bring that bucket here? He said, hey, I want a bucket load every time I come. I want a bucket load. He texted me yesterday. MWB, that's what he calls me. MWB, Monday will be 20 years since I got saved and took my last drink of alcohol 20 years ago, and I have never turned back since. He was in that first service this morning. That's the grace and the power of God. Never turn back. Never turn back. So that's God. So we prayed. If you need prayer, you come right now as we sing. Would you do that? Here we go.